There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sorry, I had a headphone issue. <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. I was going to speak up. Well, welcome to the Tom Bernard Show. Um, I'm Cassie Schrader. I'm filling in for Tom. And to the left of me is... Melissa Kirk. JB. Jerry from Cinema Grill. Andy Brand Bernard. And we're going to take a couple quick commercials and we'll be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So I called the Honda store. We looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, a uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. 
you're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> that's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Well, we are back here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Boy, Cassie Schrady. <laughs> Cassie Schrady, you <laughs> screw me up with saying ribs. Yeah, we got ribs in here from yeah. Jerry from New Hope Cinema Grill, so everyone's chowing down. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, smoked potatoes, baked potatoes. Oh, they're smoked too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Is there any food you can't smoke and make it better? <laughs> no. <laughs> that seems to be the case. Damn. If I'm a smoker, I would smoke weird. I would like. See what happens if you, like, smoke, you know, olives. Olives? <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, okay. I don't think the ice cream oh, was all right. <laughs> Andy's fork My fork just... broke. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and my, and my brother's um, smoker recipe book, he has, there's even a section for sweets that can be smoked. And smoked it's, candy? It's weird. It's like that does sound weird. pies and things. I suppose if you did it very subtly, mm-hmm. it could be good. Just take a little bit of that smoked flavor to That's the crust. I told him we should try it sometime, <laughs> just to see mm-hmm. what it. How much does an average smoker cost? There's not really an average. You can find them cheap for you know hundred bucks, maybe a couple hundred bucks for something reasonable quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good commercial grade one that's not outrageous is probably upwards of fifteen hundred. Oh my you can God. spend thousands if you want. <clears throat> On a smoker. Well, yeah. God, um, I looked up uh, espresso machines. You can get espresso machines for two, $3,000 if you want. To make coffee. Yeah. To make, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And, of course, if you go online and ask around, people are like, oh, well, if you're not spending at least $700, then you're getting crap, which well, what, okay, so, is a lot of snobs out there. But if you think about it, if you were to get an espresso at, like, <clears throat> Starbucks every day... How well, yeah, if you money? did it every day for years, then, yeah. If you're that big into coffee and uh-huh. you really need the quality, because, you know, we have a Ninja, and that thing can't have cost more than, I don't know, 150 I don't I have no idea, but... Yeah, probably. And we use it all the time, and, you know, it's not as good as a $2,000 espresso, but <laughs> it's good enough. No. We also never use it the way we can use it. <laughs> we don't? But, uh, oh, well, we don't use, like, the frother and everything, no. But I know somebody so, who, who had a high-quality smoker, and, and they bought it for 50 bucks. <clears throat> wow. Oh, really? Just because it was an oil drum, and my dad made it into a smoker. There you go. Oh. <laughs> That's how they used to do it. Oil drum? Absolutely. Yes. Yep, they, you got to make sure you burn off all the oil well, that's yeah. left remaining <laughs> before you cut it open. Yeah. You have a hint of Valvoline? You, oh, yeah. yeah. It'll explode. <laughs> more than a hint. Yeah. But, um, yeah, once he cut it in half, he would just burn off all the oil that was, that residue that was left on the inside, and then he would treat it somehow, and then he would, he would drill in his own racks and whatnot, Jeez. and hinges, and he would smoke for days. I so. just look on the internet and write a check out. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the easiest and probably the best way, but but, I mean, my old man 
at one time had a rib shop because oh. a Catholic church we belonged to wanted to open a rib joint. <laughs> and why wouldn't they? <laughs> it's like, I came home for Christmas one year, everybody was like, we got a rib joint now at church. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, dad cooks. It's like, What's going on here? It's a Catholic church. <laughs> Everyone loves ribs. Yeah, well, that was true. Well, it is the season, you know, for Christmas and everything. Uh, this news story just popped up. Uh-oh. It's local. Mayor Fry reacts to the Minneapolis police precinct Christmas tree display and calls it racist and despicable. Oh my God. Did you hear about this, Jamie? Well, it's like, you know, Ivanka's, How? or Ivana, what, Melania. Melania. Yeah, her or red Christmas one. trees. Um, yeah, they're they're really just basically <laughs> cones of red berries. They're not even really trees. Well, but, the re- but, uh, how is a Christmas tree racist? Because of what they decorated with. Here, I'll read it to you. It says, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry said the officer responsible for reportedly decorating a Christmas tree in the Minneapolis Police Department 4th Precinct with what has been described as racially offensive ornaments will be terminated. Oh a, oh Facebook, a Facebook post from the Minneapolis City Council member Philip Cunningham said that he had spoken to the 4th Precinct Inspector Aaron Biard, who said every year an officer is assigned to decorate the tree. And as a prank, another officer hung some inappropriate ornaments after it was decorated. The mayor's office Friday morning also confirmed the individual in question with an officer. A photo of the tree is showed to be decorated with Popeye chicken cup, Popeye's chicken cup, beer cans, junk food bags, and other items. Inspector How's Beard, that racist? How? Because it may be because it's Popeye chicken. I don't know. But, um... Well, if you can't look at Popeye's chicken and not think well, of black people, maybe you're the problem. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's, exactly. That's where I was going to go. I, I know plenty. I have a good friend. Um, his wife was on the sh- on the show about a month or so ago. His name's Peter Nigerian. His uh, he, Pete might have come in with her. Uh huh. But uh, his wife Lisa. Yeah. That's all Pete talks about is Popeye chicken. <clears throat> well, it's good. I... Right. It's like so. It's well, not a black thing to eat fried chicken or whatever. Maybe this police officer loved fried chicken. Okay, so what I can see on the tree, there's a Popeye's chicken cup that they use for soda. Like a, a bag of Funyuns? A bag of Funyuns, the, the red hot ones. Mm. The flaming Funyuns. Sounds great for you. <laughs> and then a bag of Takis. So oh, I oh, so far it sounds like lunch. Right. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Somebody was having a junk food lunch. Um, yeah, I don't. To be terminated, that's so to they me, saying, that's a little weird. Yeah. So are they saying the officer is white? It doesn't I say. I don't even. I just think, don't understand. I mean, I don't at get the, it. At the most, at the most, maybe disciplined. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if well, especially he, if it's like publicly displayed. Well, right. no, it's actually it's just in the police department. I don't know if it's in like a private section of it or if it's like right in the I don't know um, I'd, if I was in charge I would say I, I, I guess I would just say don't do that it's not I, that big of a deal but you can't do that because we have to I mean, be professional I guess who was the accuser in that was it a group of people coming in off the street or was it like another officer, officer? well here it says question. yeah here it says inappropriate decorations were taken down the officer was both disciplined and coached there will be a cultural sensitivity training and community outreach event I planned. I just don't understand. <laughs> like, sometimes there are stories like this where 
I they're obviously overreacting, yes. but I get it. Mm-hmm. But this I don't even understand. This doesn't make any sense. I know. You, you, somebody should just went up and said, "Hey, who's the funny man? Ripped the stuff off the tree and thrown it away, exactly. and it, everybody moved on with life." Yep. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very confusing. That's how they would used to do it. Right, and I <clears throat> lived in Minneapolis as, since I've been here. For you know, I've been here almost thirty-nine years, so I've been. So, 36 years I lived in Minneapolis, and it's like the place is getting crazier and crazier and crazier. It's like you all want this utopia. You can't have a utopia because human beings are involved and we're all flawed and we all come with, we all do stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to excuse each other when you point it out, you say, hey man, you shouldn't really do that, or something like that. And give the person a chance to apologize, and then you all move on. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was put in the hospital from it. Nobody lost, well, he's losing his job, but nobody lost his job because he threw that on there outside of him. You know, no, nobody lost money. It's like... Oh, somebody's going to lose money. Well, if he that is guy lo- No, no, no. If that guy loses his job, he will sue for millions and he will win. Oh, yeah. And the you tax, that's, and yeah, you can't tax somebody for that because cops are union jobs, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell that's mm-hmm. going to go through. Well, they're saying the offending party will be fired before the day is over. Shifting the culture Jesus. of the police department requires swift and decisive action. Termination is necessary, both to di- to discipline the officer and send a clear message. Well, I think the lawsuit will be filed before mm-hmm. the day is over, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would sit down with Mayor Fry and say. Come on, can we use some rational common sense? And then there would be people on the other side of the table with him who would call me an Uncle Tom. Now, who are, who, who are, who are the people overreaching at that point? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, to me, it just looks like the guy just dug through the trash and said, look, this will be funny to right, put some right, garbage exactly. on the Christmas tree. I don't think it, it – The I mean, just talk to the officer. You know, this, a, There's nothing funny about what he did, but right. it's also not offensive. And what people have to realize is you don't have the right to not be offended. Yeah, I know. It, it's this overly no, I, sensitive. I can't even yeah. wrap my brain around it anymore. No, I it's, jokingly it's, tell people I don't eat chicken and watermelon in public. Uh-huh. Why is that? Because, you know, supposedly that's a stereotype. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to feed. But I'm also having fun with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm not feeding into that stereotype. Well, what, what really baffles me is that you know they say oh black people eat fried chicken and watermelon and it's a stereotype and it's racist well it's it's just food it's mm-hmm. not like um something it, it's it's not like calling you names or you know putting you down as a, a person it's just black people like fried chicken and, and watermelon. allowed to call Irish people potato eaters. Well, right. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's it's not like a, it's a stereotype that has no, um, what's the word? I mean, there's no... A kernel of truth? Well, there's no evil intention or, oh, well, yeah. you know, it's something, you know, they say well, like Asians are good at math. Well, that's a, like a positive thing, right. honestly, you know. Well, but, the uh, <laughs> argument there is that, so if everyone says Asians are good with at math and then... An Asian who isn't good at math is going to feel like something's wrong with them. Oh, is that? Which I guess I get, but I don't know. Someone but wants not to say all I black eat. People eat fried chicken. No, they Why don't. Not? <laughs> yeah, come on. They should. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a. 
I don't eat a fried chicken because I'm not a big fried chicken fan. I'll do it every mm. once in a, once in a blue moon, but I just my chicken most of the time is baked. Mm-hmm. I like I you know, usually bake and chicken I, myself. And I only eat chicken once a week. Mm-hmm. I have more seafood, way more seafood, and steak mm-hmm. than I do chicken and pork chops. Yeah, mm. I. But I mean, they, somebody would say, but black people eat pork chop and chicken, and it's like no. Well, it also doesn't help that that came from about a hundred years ago when it's right. like you didn't have the choices that you had back then. You ate what was well, there. You ate what was there. Clearly, yeah. I mean, it was just like the, it's like people from Maine eat lobster. That's the thing, right? And that used to be true because that's what there was. But now they've got now they got their red hot funyuns and well, there's a, there's whatever a, the hell else. <laughs> red hot funyuns and takis. Do have our guest on the phone? Oh, Steven Spignesi. Awesome. Is it Spignesi or Spignesi? It's Spignesi. Mm. Yeah, I remember it because I always think of Nessie, the Loch Ness monster. That's how I know it's pronounced. <laughs> um, well, hi, Stephen. This is uh, Cassie Schrader here. Tom's not in today because he had to take care of some stuff, but um, we're having you on for In the Crosshairs: Famous Assassination and Attempts from Julius Caesar to John Lennon. Oh, Dad would have been all about yes. this. Yes, yes, we might have to have him back on because there's <laughs> a lot to cover in this book. Um, how are you doing, Stephen? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Uh, Hi, well, uh, the book, I, I love this kind of topic because I'm, hu- I'm a huge history buff, but it's assassinations often change the course of history. Here is an intriguing look of dozens of notable assassination and attempts throughout history, including the complete details about the assassin, the victim, the circumstance of the attack, and the outcome. Now, in the past two decades, most of the assassination and attempts were politically charged. But there's so many other ones that kind of Yeah, fall. it's like John Lennon. Was that really... He thought he John was talking to him or something like that? Uh, he was mentally ill. Well, I, yeah, obviously. He was like a fan, but then he wasn't a fan. I don't know. It was, it was kind of a bizarre case. But Stephen, yeah, just take us through the book, through history, from Julius Caesar all the way to John Lennon, if you could. Sure, absolutely. Um, This is an expanded edition of a book I did back in 2003, which was also called In the Crosshairs, but I've added a few to this new edition. And, um, you know, assassination and attempts are just kind of really fascinating because what's the definition? What What is an assassination? It's the murder of someone high profile. Mm-hmm. It's the murder of someone famous. You know, Chris Rock makes jokes about that, mm-hmm. where he says, you know, that sometimes if a rapper gets shot, they, they'll they talk about him being assassinated. And he said, you know, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, those guys got assassinated. So, you know, defining the term was something that we wanted to do right off the bat. And then, why? Why are assassinations attempted and often successful? Well, it's like the ultimate attempt to win. Um, Assassins believe that by eliminating someone they hate or passionately disagree with, and that's not speaking to the John Lennon issue, which we'll get to, um, that everything wrong about the world for which they blame Mm -hmm. the assassination victim will suddenly be fixed. And it never works. Um, So it's in a sense, it's a form of um, very kind of singular terrorism is what it boils down to. Um, and it does fall into the two categories, as, as you mentioned. One is political, of course, and the other is personal. Um, and 
with the personal, uh, people write books, they do interviews, they do research trying to determine why. And some of the people I talk about in the book, um, you know, like Bob Crane. Remember Bob mm-hmm. Crane yes. from yes. Uh, Hogan, Hogan yes. Heroes? You know, and in fact, when I do interviews about this book, I'm often asked, you know, what's the weirdest <laughs> weapon ever used um, in assassinations or attempts? And I kind of go with Bob Crane because he was killed with a camera tripod. Right. Well, which, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, Stephen, I just want to say we just got to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, okay. we'll talk about, like, the weird... Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with the Bob Crane, the, the weapon that was used. It was very bizarre. But we'll talk about that as soon as we come back. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He was here to talk about a great service at an app that you can get and use from North American Banking Company. It's called XCheck. All right, Michael, my buddy, my pal of mine, why do I need this? And why is it cool? We developed the app to compete with the other payment applications across the country. We wanted something that was safe, secure, easy to use, and most of all, free. Say, for example, Alex needs some money and you want to send her some money. You can do it right away in the payment app and would get into her account without her having to go to the bank. Most convenient for the princess in your life. And the Prince Andy, too, because I wouldn't want the kids having to leave the house to get cash. I wouldn't want that. No, there'd be no sense in that. You'd have to buy the gas then, too. (laughs) They're going to love it. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Check out nabankco.com slash KQ for more about XCheck. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Whiting Clinic has changed their name to include their two specialties, LASIK and cataract surgery. Whiting Clinic is best known for their amazing LASIK results and ability to enhance thousands of lives by restoring vision to clarity without the need for glasses or contacts. You've heard me rave about them for years. You know that. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm a perfect example of their good work. You know what I'm saying. I see so clearly now. When my clear LASIK vision started to fade due to cataracts, Whiting Clinic took care of me again and have the most advanced lens technology so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you're over 60 and have noticed your vision starting to fade, call the experts at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract to learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision. Visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020. That's 855-554-2020. And please tell them Tom sent you. We are recording and everything. Interesting. We are back here on the Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> it's one of those days. It's yes, Friday, it right? Serious well, we day, have apparently. Steven Spignesi <laughs> on the phone talking about his book, In the Crosshairs. Uh, famous assassination and attempts from Julius Caesar to John Lennon. And before we went to break, we were talking about Bob Crane and how he was murdered and what was the um, weapon of choice, or I guess you could say the weapon of um, opportunity, opportunity yeah. that was there to take care of Bob Crane. Yeah, the funny thing is, is that we don't know if mm-hmm. it was a weapon of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um for 16 years, there were no, there was no arrest made, and then in 1994, um, Crane's friend, uh, John Carpenter, um, who had uh, worked with him on making films and so forth, uh, he was charged with the murder, 
And uh, eight, after eight weeks and of trial and two and a half days of deliberation, he was acquitted. So to this day, Bob Crane's murder is unsolved. Um, and the camera tripod, he could have brought it, or a, you're right, it could have been a weapon of opportunity. Mm -hmm. But then that begs the question, you know, why did he go there in the middle of the night? Mm -hmm. Just to talk to him? Did they have a fight? Did he grab the Was it a crime of passion? What was going on? We, don't, we still don't know. Um, but the, the, the point is, uh, to include him in the book, is that, you know, high-profile celebrity. Um, when, when they're murdered, um, it, it's called an assassination. Um, and that's why someone like John Lennon, you know, it, it's, there are still people who say, oh, you know, his murderer, and, uh, you know, and then there are others who will say his assassin. Um, but, you know, what's mostly interesting about the Lennon situation is that you, you guys were talking earlier about why. He thought John was talking to him. He thought he would take John's place. I mean, all of this speculative guessing as to why we still don't know, except for an answer that I often think is kind of dismissed, which is derangement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's um, true. You know, sometimes people are simply deranged. And to try and go through and understand their thinking, see, we're, we're logical people. We're rational people who look at empirical facts and come to conclusions. But for a guy who does things that are inexplicable, it, it's, it's, it's just been really futile to try and get an, a logical explanation. And when, you know, I do talks about my books in libraries and stuff, and when I, when I do in the crosshairs, how many times the audience members will say to me, you know, in, in the Q&A, I don't understand. Right. Mm -hmm. Why, why would he do that? I don't understand. And, you know, I have to tell them, that, you know, sometimes it's beyond understanding because we're not in their head and we can't understand. Sometimes people are just nuts and they, they have they, their, their motivation is to eliminate someone. And yet if you put, you know, put it down on papers to, well, why are you doing this? nothing they say would make sense. Right. So, you know, the John Lennon interview was often, um, well, the John Lennon chapter was really interesting to work on. And, and, and the book also, you asked about the history stuff. I mean, I do the presidents, mm -hmm. um, James yep. Garfield. Um, yep. that, that was a, a, an amazing situation. Um, he died 79 days after he was shot because he was a, um, he was treated barehanded because the germ theory hadn't become, been accepted yet. So multiple doctors worked on the gunshot wound with bare hands, oh. without washing. Right. And so his, <laughs> this isn't funny, and I don't mean yeah, to laugh, well. I swear, but it is, it is kind of funny because after a few days and then a week, the wound just became, it was three and a half inches. It was 20 inches oh, long. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the time they got through with him, and, you know, they actually brought in, um, uh, someone had invented a thing called an induction balance machine, which is really a metal detector. Mm -hmm. So they brought this guy in to see if they could find the bullet using this new machine. You know who it was? It was Alexander Graham Bell. Oh, no. really? He I didn't know been... that. Yeah, and he and he couldn't find it. So the doctors just kept probing and probing, and then 
they gave him nutritional enemas. Oh. Of course. Which were eggs. <laughs> yeah, they, they were eggs, bouillon, milk, whiskey, and oh. opium. What? Oh. And because, uh. because the, the lower regions don't have digestion or absorption capabilities, he started getting dehydrated and malnourished right. on top of suffering from this, this um, infected gunshot wound. So another um, so in other words, if they probably left a bullet alone, he probably had a better chance of survival than the doctors dealing with him. Man, you are absolutely right. If they had just cleaned the wound, bandaged it, put him to bed, and given him whatever for pain or just kept fluids in him, you know, our body has an incredible self-writing uh, ability. And, and I, I've always believed that if they had just left him alone that his body probably would have been able to heal mm -hmm. um, three and a half inches. And he was cogent and, and, you know, he was, it wasn't anything. It didn't hit anything really bad. It just went into his abdomen. And um, they, they said that um, uh, it was, it's today, his treatment is described as one of the most botched yeah. medical events in American <laughs> I can, history. I can imagine. And his last, and the pain, his pain levels went through the roof, and his last words were, Swain, can't you stop this? And that was his personal physician. And then he passed away. Um, and his, his murderer, Gateau, was uh, indicted and put on trial. And uh, the jury deliberated for like an hour, and then they hung him immediately, like within 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't play back then. <laughs> um, and he had a, a very short uh, presidency, nine months, and that was it. Wow. Um, uh, so it, and, and his assassin said, his last words were, I saved my party and my land, glory, hallelujah. Well, yeah, he believed, it. again, with the political motivations. I was going to ask you what political motivations... Most well, the intent is to stop something, but in some cases, it actually spins the cause even further. Like mm -hmm. in uh, Martin mm -hmm. Luther King's case, and in uh, totally, and in the Kennedy brothers' cases, it actually moved the country uh, forward in mm -hmm. in a way. Well, yeah. one of the one of the assassinations that doesn't get talked about enough, I think, is the Medgar Evers assassination yes and um he kind of fell kind of in the shadows because of martin luther king and everything but he, i think he was a very important yeah. um figure at that time and with his assassination i think it just drove the civil rights movement further and further um one of the last assassination attempts was ronald reagan and that one to me was bizarre because everyone it was just 69 days after he was elected president so everyone's like oh nobody wants him as president but john hinckley jr's motivation was a lot different than everybody assumed so and yeah. it was because of his infatuation with jodie foster and how she did she publicly come out and say she didn't care for ronald reagan that I don't know, but I do know she did write an essay later. Okay. Um, particularly speaking about the impact on her life that the event had. Mm. I included it in the book, too. It was published, I think, in the New York Times. Um, um, but I don't believe, there. I've, well, I can't recall completely, but I don't recall any political commentary that, served as a motivation for him he wanted to impress her i'm not sure politics 
played a big part. And again, here we go with derangement. Mm-hmm. You know, he he believed that by this high-profile murder attempt or murder, uh, if it had been successful, would impress an actress in her late teens, early 20s. Again, as I mentioned earlier, put that down on paper, and it makes no sense, none whatsoever. And yet that is what is very often the explanation. Um, Speaking of Garfield, you know, Gateau, when he was on trial, they asked him, you know, and and at first he said, you know, I'm saying I I don't like the political leanings of the president and blah, blah, blah. But then he went into this whole thing about God spoke to him and told him what to do. And he started quizzing the jurors on biblical passages. (laughs) And so clearly... Yeah, so his, he, he was, you know, guilty uh, by his his attorney was hoping for a not guilty by reason of insanity. I was so say. he kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of let him go. He let him ramble. I was going to say, um, what attorney? I read the transcript. Right. What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, the, the transcript of the trial is a, is a riot. Right. I mean, he was just. I don't. I don't think honestly it could happen in today's system of jurisprudence, where his rambling, inflamed speeches to the jury would have been allowed to continue. Uh, so they found him guilty, you know, immediately, a little more than an hour, and that was that was the end of that, you know. Um, and 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 then it comes down to people like Rebecca Schaefer. Remember her, my sister Sam, the TV show. Oh yeah, yeah. She was the star of. Yeah, well, there's a guy who, and again, this, this gives an indication of how things have changed. The day in the year she was murdered, you could get people's private home information from the motor vehicle department. Oh. You could just walk in and ask for it. Wow. Right. And he got her address, and he just knocked on her front door. And when she opened it, um, he shot her, and she died. And he's in, he's in prison, uh, life with no parole. Um, and, you know, again, there's, there's no real answer as to why did you do that? I loved her or, you know, stuff like that. And, again, makes no sense. So, you know, you come across these things, and then you get the stuff like, you know, Rasputin and um, politicians in general who were, you know, assassinated or attempted uh, because, you know, the person just hates their politics. And feels that this will solve the problem, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where they believe it'll solve the problem. Steve, and it never does. Steve, you know, like, you, like you said, it actually sometimes causes the reverse, the opposite of the goal mm-hmm. of, the, of the attempt, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it moves things forward, like with Kennedy and RFK and Edgar Evers and Martin Luther King and so forth, you know. All of a sudden, civil rights and tolerance and um, shouting down bigotry and so forth become important to the public when something like that is, you know, happens. I had, <clears throat> as a kid, I would always hear this, and maybe it's a myth, and probably is a story about a, a, a Native American Indian way back cursed the presidents. And it was every year that we elected a president in a year that ended in zero that president would die in office. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I've heard that. And, and there are debunkers of it who, there a couple presidents didn't satisfy the prediction or the curse or whatever. So, uh, you know, these, this mythology 
uh, mythology often ends up cropping up around things like this. And um, in fact, you know, you know the Wild Bill Hickok mm-hmm. story. He was assassinated by Jack McCall um, in an area of the Dakotas that wasn't American territory. Um, matter of fact, if you're a fan of Deadwood, yes, um, I love you that. Can actually, <laughs> Deadwood is great, and you know, no laws because mm-hmm. it was on Indian territory. And you know, Jack McCall. There's there have been books and essays written, motivation, and and he was he politically. No, I mean he he Jack McCall was insulted while Bill Hickok beat him at poker, and McCall was drunk, and just like in Deadwood. That's actually a true story. He slid him a dollar coin and said, get some breakfast, Jack. And that was the ultimate insult to him. So he walked in on a poker game and shot him in the back of the head. And his trial, it's truly depicted in the show, too, because his defense was that Wild Bill has shot, once shot his brother mm-hmm. in Abilene. Yeah. He didn't have a brother in Abilene. <laughs> <laughs> his look. <laughs> His lawyer said to him, could it have been that maybe Bill, while Bill shot a brother of yours, maybe in Abilene? And in the show, he said, a brother in Abilene. And they acquitted him. Wow. They actually acquitted him because, yeah, they had to use common law because there was no real law back then on that area, in that territory anyway. And... um and then he was like tracked down after he left camp and and then tried in in a city or a town that was american and convicted and and executed but uh, that, yeah it it it's hilarious it really is brother in abilene <laughs> well steven we'll have to definitely have you back especially even to talk about this book and i know you've done so many books you have i mean over 50 titles from uh i mean pop culture history um, I mean, you just have every book on every topic, and I mean, and I know we would love to have you back I, for I'd the Beatles to. book because Tom is a huge I'd Beatles, love to. yeah, a huge Beatles I'd fan. I'd love to do my be, and I'm doing a lot of talks these days for my new Stephen King book. Yes, which if you have any King fans in your audience, Stephen King, American Master. It's my sixth book about King, and that one's a lot of fun to talk about because there are. A lot of King fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I will post links to your book uh, in the crosshairs so people can find it easier. And is there a website Wonderful. or anything that people can find more information about you? com, and I'm on Facebook as Stephen Spignessi. Perfect. I'll post links to your website and everything else. Thank you so much. And we will be right back um, in a few minutes. And uh, we have Ian Bag coming up from Acme. He'll be in the next hour. So we'll be right back after these messages. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers 
just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Well, we are back here on the Tom Bernard Show. Jerry just left. He was very kind to bring uh, everybody some ribs. Yes. Potatoes, mm-hmm. mac and cheese. We're chowing down on this funky Friday. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind, of, kind of a str- strange vibe in the air today but <laughs> there is i don't know what maybe it's because november is ending yeah tomorrow is december 1st we're entering is, is it a Christ- full moon i don't know is it a fu- I, I know it does a it just seems like people Has are that vibe yeah weird vibe and, like something and i know people don't buy it in that but i worked at a high school and a grade school in the past mm-hmm. and especially in the grade school on a, on a the week leading up to a full moon, the kids were just off the wall. <laughs> and then full moon would happen the next day, and they would all be yeah, back down, calm, everything was okay, this, that, and the other. Makes I you wonder if we are I, all actually werewolves. <laughs> or, yeah, are we or, just on the brink of going, you know, animalistic and, right. and yeah. beast on everybody. <laughs> it is a last quarter moon today. Okay, so it's not that. So it's... Like it's half bright, half dark. Yeah, let me see what what we have in the news. Um, oh, geez. Yeah, there was a lot of depressing. I took a look earlier today. Um, like one one almost entire family was wiped out in a fire, and then yeah, I heard about the dad of some of the kids was also found dead. But the oddest part was the police said they don't believe that they were tied. The stories were tied together. I was like, huh? Oh, really? It's like, huh? Uh oh. There is a tsunami warning issued after a 7.0 quake hits near Anchorage, Alaska. Oh. Oh, that's nice. All our listeners in Anchorage better watch out. Yeah, well, we do have some Alaska. Let's see how many we I can find out. Yeah, well, I guess it buckled road. Roadways and a lot oh, of fun. other damages. Seven point oh, that's pretty big. I have to check in. I have a yeah, that is big. I have a nephew who's based there right now. Oh, hmm. Oh, really? So yeah. when, so where did the earthquake hit? Because um, doesn't it, when it happens out in sea, doesn't isn't that where a tsunami takes place, or does it happen at the epicenter and then goes out and comes back in? Let's see. Um, I thought it happened. Says photographs posted to social media sites show damage that include collapsed ceiling tiles, 
um, in the Anchorage High School and buckled roadways pave, pavement in places. Cereal boxes and packages of batteries littered the floor of grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, I mean, I don't... Where is Anchorage considered? So okay. Is that near the coast, I'm assuming? We have... Last week, we got 15 hits from Anchorage. Okay. I mean, last month. So last month? There's probably like one person in Anchorage who listens. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, Sorry. Anchorage lawyer Justin Cap says he was getting ready for work when he felt the shaking start. He grabbed onto the door frame in the hallway, and the door slammed on his hands, Ow. scraping oh. his fingers and hand. Um, Cap says he lived in Anchorage for eight years, and Tuesday's quake was the worst he had experienced. So this was on Tuesday, and I, we're just seeing news stories about it now. That's kind of weird. But, yeah, it's saying it was a 6.7 magnitude mm-hmm. and reduced to a 6.6. The quake was centered around seven miles north of Alaska's largest city, Anchorage. So, they, they even, even if it's not, like, right up against the coast, I know all the... the right. Shockwaves. The plates and stuff underneath yep. will carry out to yeah. the coast yeah, and so reverberate. So it looks like all along the coast is where the tsunami warning is. God, have you seen those videos of tsunamis coming in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's like a nightmare. And just this wall of water. Yeah. I, I can't imagine looking out my window and that's what I see. I'd be like, uh, what do we do here? Yeah. Get to the roof. <laughs> no, even at that level, it, it doesn't really help you. It's just yeah. There's just so many negative news. It's... Uh, give me, give me the snowstorms and the. Uh, <laughs> I know. I tornado feel like, every once in a while. I feel like we're very you. safe here. We are stuffed in the middle, north of you know, in the middle, up north, in between the coasts. Yep. And nothing... but I think we sit on a. There's a fault we sit on called the New Madrin Fault. Yes, we do have a fault line. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. I, I didn't we, they've had earthquakes like in Oklahoma and, you know, the lower Midwest areas, and we felt them up here, but not... We not get, uh, when I was in geology in high school, we learned that we get earthquakes all the time. We just, mm-hmm. they're so small. They're like one oh, two well. that you can't oh. feel them. So it kind of makes sense. I guess, but... I want to say when I was in uh, grade school, there was a big one, and I think it was like in Oklahoma or somewhere in that area. And I actually felt... I remember sitting in my bedroom, and all of a sudden I felt... It didn't... All it felt like was like a big dump truck going mm-hmm. by. That's yeah. about mm-hmm. the the extent of it. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, what was that? And I'm like, I didn't hear a truck go by, and I found out we felt a little bit of the earthquake that was... Because of mm-hmm. that fault line, it carried up. So... Gotcha. Hopefully that will never happen here in the great state of Minnesota. Can you imagine what it would happen to our lakes? We'd become oh, another yeah. river. <laughs> They'd all pour into that thing. But um, so yeah, December first, I plan on taking my youngest boy to go see Santa Claus. I'm wait. I, I'm so excited for Christmas. <laughs> I'm gonna have all the kids this year. Uh oh. Yeah, I know. So it's gonna be <laughs> Christmas morning. Is gonna be. I, I'm just gonna stay in bed. <laughs> just leave me alone. Instead of waking me up. At, so how are they going to get fed? Huh? How are they going to get fed? I have trained my children very well, and they make their own breakfast. Talking about Christmas dinner. Oh, oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. I don't know what I'm going to make. I had we had just had turkey. I'm kind of sick of the ham. <laughs> I don't know what other dishes do people usually make for Christmas besides the goose. Yeah, past couple of years, 
because I'm not a turkey person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you, and I've only found it at one Cub Foods. Mm-hmm. But they, the one I shop at, they make pre-seasoned Italian beef roast. Oh. Roast beef, yeah, that's another, that's a Christmas thing. And it is seasoned so well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I looked up how to cook it in the oven. Because mm-hmm. you broil it first for for 20 minutes and then you turn down the heat, but you keep it under the broiler. And it's uh, 15, 15 minutes per pound after that. Mm-hmm. And it's so tender and so well seasoned. I actually, when I I had a welcome, uh, a house opening with the Bernard family came over because Catherine helped me buy my place, find and buy my place. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thank you. And I served it to, to you guys that night. I know you probably don't recall eating any of it. But. <laughs> <laughs> you he's just got JV this blank knows stare. You so well. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, is yeah. the broiler, is that the drawer that's on the bottom of the oven? It can be on see, some. See, to me, that's my cookie sheet mm-hmm. <laughs> drawer. Yeah, that's a lot I, of people's I know, I've drawer. never used the broiler yeah. on an oven. Unlike mine, it's electric, so it's still in the main area. It's just the top. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. You can, I mean, yeah, you have a you have an electric oven, and I think you can broil inside the oven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it only turns on one section of right. the, uh-huh. so in an electric. Yeah, there's two coils, oven. one on top and yeah, one on the bottom. Yeah, it only turns on one section of the mm-hmm. coil, so it does the same thing as broiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you have a gas stove, it's going to be in the bottom. Right, and then at the bottom, mm-hmm. it is an actual storage area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For your yeah. Yeah. See, I you just didn't I have a broiling <laughs> pan. <laughs> yes, I do have a broiling pan. It's never been used. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, see, I've done lasagna. I've done a Christmas lasagna before. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. How did things. that go over? Really well. I make a really good. I make a crock pot lasagna. You no, know, the kids don't care. They just want something to eat. Yeah, I know. Just feed me. I could give them pizza and they'd be fine with it. But it's like, I, I don't know. I try and do different things because I, I kind of get sick of the traditional yep. dishes all the time. I mean, Thanksgiving, it's. Turkey. You know, it's, you have to have a turkey, but it's, I try and mix it up and, you know, same with Easter. I usually do a ham on Easter, but I'm just trying to think of some other fun ideas for a Christmas yeah. dinner. My, my family has kind of gotten away from the, the turkey and ham tradition. They, mm-hmm. they do the turkey. I mean, we change it to smoked turkey now, mm-hmm. um, but then they, my brother has switched from ham on Christmas to, um, prime rib. Oh, Okay. You know, he finds it at Costco for cheap and just goes with that because a lot of people don't like ham in our family. So, <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. ham. kind of changed it's it up. It's all right sometimes. Well, see, and another thing, too, like when you do a roast beef, uh, you know, like a big chuck roast yeah. or something, uh, one thing I hate about it is when you cook it, everything in your house will smell like the roast beef. Well, yeah, but it's because the fat is it aerosolizes and literally gets everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. you could wear your coat outside and then be like, yeah. "Oh, I can tell you, yeah. you had a roast beef yeah. for dinner." <laughs> it's it's yeah. the same thing with bacon. Yeah. Oh, I love bacon. You can't <laughs> you know? go wrong with bacon. Well, yeah. I love the smell of bacon. But yeah, it's funny because like, yeah, I've done roasts and it's just like. Oh my god! I, and it takes like a good week for that mm-hmm. scent to get out of you. It's like in the couch. Yeah. It's in the carpet. I'm like, geez, it smells like onions and meat in here, <laughs> you know. But uh, maybe I'll do a Christmas chili this year. 
Christmas. Mm. Well, you know what there I've done in a couple... It, I've done this before, depending on when Christmas falls and how, you know, with all these different families, you know, sometimes you have to do Christmas three days after Christmas. But I've gone to the Chinese buffet (laughs) and, you know, did my Christmas story dinner and had Chinese food. Nothing wrong with that. It's the Jewish tradition. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, easy. Make it fire. That's a jewish stereotype yeah <laughs> oh is it well i'm part jewish yeah. so i can <laughs> i can live up to that stereotype i love my chinese food <laughs> so i yeah. had i had um i think i had chinese food on thanksgiving one year because i was in england oh we, we had this party that we went out we went out for like our it's called a staircase where i lived mm-hmm. it's kind of like harry potter type things they call them staircases where you live and and they're just like rooms and then like an apartment yeah, it's almost like an apartment walk up mm-hmm. um but we went out and we had this planned all all together and i was like and they were like oh it's thanksgiving are you are you sad about missing thanksgiving and i was like eh, it's not really that big of a deal. yeah <laughs> like they were like they were just like wanted to know everything about thanksgiving mm-hmm. and we went out and had chinese food <laughs> how is the chinese food over in england it's actually fair very good their huh. their food I mean, any ethnic restaurant there, um, I would say, is very decent, especially the Indian food, mm-hmm. because they have so many different um, people. Well, Dave, um, my husband Dave, he's gone overseas many times with trips with all the listeners for Darkness Radio, yeah. and he says when he goes over there, he feels so much better eating the food that they have there because they don't put all the don't preservatives all the and junk yeah. and GMOs and all that stuff in their food. Yeah, it's like, when, when I was there, I think just in the three months that I was there, I lost like 20 pounds because I was walking a lot. Mm-hmm. And the food that I ate, even though it was like starchy food, because obviously they like potatoes, potatoes and mm-hmm. meat and beans and things like that. But, um, but it didn't have all the added sugar. Yeah, I think this, that's really what it is. Yeah, just, and all the, you know, MSG and yeah. all that stuff that yeah. kind of weighs you down, I think. Because yeah. he said he would come back, and as soon as he started eating food here... He started to feel gross. He started yeah. feeling that gross feeling every time you eat and yeah. stuff like that. Even even in England, the sugar, like, if you just get sugar to make, like, a baked good, mm-hmm. is completely different. Really? It's completely different. Does it taste? I mean, is it not? It tastes as... different. It's not white, like oh. it is here. Like is here, it it's brown. Like white. It's like a. It's almost like a translucent brown color. Yeah, like the the pure sugar. Yeah, cane. it's not even that brown. It's lighter mm-hmm. than that, but oh, okay. it's it's not like they don't bleach it or anything like that. I don't think the same with the flour. Oh, I didn't even know that they bleached sugar. I don't. I I don't know. Uh-huh. But I'm assuming because it's so white. Well, and see, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I can't even have regular wheat flour anymore. I have to go with almond flour or yeah. rice flour because I have to be gluten free because of my health issues. Yeah. So I'd be interested to like, because it is on my bucket list to get over to mm-hmm. England and Scotland and Ireland. It would be interesting to see how their food will affect me. It's so different. And not have the issues I have eating them because yeah. I think a lot of our problems that we have. Mm-hmm. In, especially in the United States, people are coming up with food allergies that they never had before, um, digestive issues. It's I personally think it's all in our food, all these mm-hmm. GMOs, 
preservatives. Mm -hmm. I think it's screwing up our immune system to the point where it starts attacking itself. And then you have, now you're starting to get all these diseases like celiac Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, and all that stuff. So I really think that that has a huge part to play in it. And I'm hoping, I think, are they still working on that where they wanted to label like GMOs on products? I I didn't know they were doing that. But mm-hmm. supposedly there is a pill coming soon for people with food allergies. Oh, really? Especially the peanut one. Oh. Well, I was telling Cassie about these allergy drops I take, and uh, one of them is for food allergies. Not all allergies, like, you know, celiac you're not going to be able to do anything right. about, but, like, actual allergies. Right. Like uh, a peanut allergy, they said you'd be yeah. able to eat a handful of peanuts yep. at that point. You should be able oh, to. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll get the peanuts back on airplanes because I missed that. <laughs> So, well, we're going to, we have to stop this hour. We'll start the next hour with Ian Bagg, who will be at Acme. Um, So we should be back in about, I don't know, five minutes or so. So we'll talk to you then.